What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. I am your host, Evan Rothstein. TMT Time, obviously a production of the Technology, Media, and Telecommunications Group here at our law firm, Arnold Porter. And today, I am welcoming in an Arnold and Porter colleague, Michael Gorshoni. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Evan. Michael is coming in to talk to us about something that you are all reading about, potentially all thinking about, but many of you know very little about. In fact, some of you may not know what the hell they are. And of course, I'm talking about NFTs. So, Michael, why don't you tell us why you're the person that I brought in here to talk about NFTs? Sure. Um, well, first of all, and I think you probably know this already just from our own conversations, but I've been spending way too much time and money buying internet pictures, period. Um, but part of that is it's like a really interesting space, um, something I've been looking into for a while now. And it's like a legal wasteland, right? It's like a all like barren, wild west. Nobody knows what's going on. It is. It is pretty much a wild west. It's heavily unregulated. There's a lot of excitement about it. And the legal issues that that come up uh, potentially in the NFT space is, is really, really broad. I mean, down to when you buy and sell an NFT, what are you getting with it? Um, you know, if you buy and sell an NFT, are there certain tax concerns that you should be concerned with? Is it a security is one question that gets brought up a lot. So yeah, it's a really, really interesting space and something I've been digging into for a while now. So we're going to start at the beginning because I don't even think anybody knows what is an NFT? What does NFT even stand for? Sure. I'll start with what it stands for. So an NFT is a non-fungible token. Pretty much what that means is it's a token that's unique, that's recorded on the blockchain. Um, that's not really the answer. I think that that satisfies anyone's interest when they're looking into saying, should I buy an NFT? Well, so, I don't even, I don't even think, the, you, you, what's, what's the blockchain? Yeah, so blockchain is a digital ledger that's distributed amongst like millions of computers. Um, but I, I think like for purposes of understanding what an NFT is like in a colloquial sense, you know, excuse me if I'm not hitting the, the technical description of it perfectly, but the way I think of an NFT is it's pretty much just a unique token that you can assign to a digital asset. Um, and that's interesting because, you know, I can go online and find a famous NFT and download it and screenshot it and share it and do whatever I want with it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I own it. Uh, it's the token itself, ownership of the token associated with a digital asset that, that really is what people I think look at when they look at NFTs. So if I like, you know, as, as you know, Michael, and as some of our listeners know who, who actually listen to the podcast, I like Pokemon Go. Uh, you know, I say I play with with my son, and I do, and it's a really good bonding experience with my son. But to be fair, I also play it by myself. So I, if I go online and and get like a cool picture of a cool Pokemon that I like, that's not an NFT, right? Correct. That's not an NFT. So how do I get a like? What is a Pokemon NFT? What would that be? So if you wanted to take that picture and turn it into an NFT. Uh, what you would do is you would record a transaction on the blockchain that creates a unique token, and then you can associate that token with that picture. And how, do, how does someone see that? Like what, what kind of rights or benefits are included if I, if I was to buy, buy a Pokemon NFT or if I was to create one like you just said? Well, if you were to create one, it's really 
pretty much in your control as to what rights that you would convey along with it. Um, if you were to buy one, and this is where it gets a little bit more complicated, it depends on what types of representations are made and if those representations were made sufficiently to convey any particular right. So if we start off with the example of you created an NFT, right? Let's say you own the copyright in the underlying art. That's not necessarily transferred, for example, if you were to sell it to somebody else, unless you wanted it to be. And if you wanted it to be, you'd have to, to you know, make it clear either in the smart contract or some other instrument that, that, that provides that you're transferring your copyright along with the image. I want to do like an example, like, you know, if I wanted to buy an NFT, you know, of a cool, and we'll use my nerd alert Pokemon Gyarados NFT, and I buy one, like, where am I buying it? How do I do that? You said, you know, smart contract. I don't know what the heck a smart contract is. Walk us through like how it actually would work. Sure. So first of all, there are a number of different marketplaces where you can purchase NFTs. And you can even purchase an NFT um, directly from a contract itself by, you know, let me, let, me, let me answer your question before I get too far in the weeds there, because it is easy to get into the weeds on this issue. So let's start with just the marketplace. You can buy and sell NFTs on marketplaces. Um, OpenSea.io is currently the largest NFT marketplace, at least for those NFTs that are um, specifically on the Ethereum blockchain. When you say marketplace, you mean like, and it's like a website, it's like Amazon, like a, but that sells NFTs. Correct. Yeah. It's literally like a store. You go online, you search for what you want. Um, there are, I don't want to use the term storefronts, but in effect storefronts, I mean, certain people might be selling collections and uh, you can buy directly from there. But yeah, it's literally a website you go. And um, as long as you have your, your cryptocurrency wallet connected to the website, you can use Ethereum or in some instances, other types of cryptocurrency to purchase an NFT directly. Okay. So then walk us through how you do it and like what you pay and how you pay, like, is it dollars? Like, how does it work? Yeah. So in general, um, there are some exceptions to this, um, but in general, uh, NFTs are purchased on, for example, OpenSea using uh, Ethereum. So Ethereum is a type of cryptocurrency. It's similar. Um, to Bitcoin, for example, it's just a fungible token it's recorded on the blockchain. And what you would do is you would purchase Ethereum, you put Ethereum into your cryptocurrency wallet. Uh, that could be done directly from the wallet itself. Uh, for example, I use MetaMask and MetaMask actually has the option to use Apple Pay, for example, to purchase Ethereum and put it directly in your wallet. And then from there, you know, there's a buy button underneath something that you might like to purchase. And if you have enough Ethereum in your wallet, then you can just go ahead and purchase the NFT directly on the uh, OpenSea website. Let's get, let's, because this sounds, there's a lot of big words for me, like Ethereum and, and OpenSea and everything else. So it's, it's unique because there's some information behind it or whatever that's recorded on the blockchain. Am I, am I right so far? Yeah, you've totally caught that. Okay. So then, then I get in there and I go and I use my, you said Apple Wallet in some instance, but on OpenSea, I use this thing called Ethereum, which sounds really cool. And I enter it and I, and I buy it. What am I paying for? And then what do I get? It entirely depends on the specific NFT you're buying. Um, most of the time you're buying the, the art, so to say, right? So you find an NFT that you like in particular and you want to purchase it, much like you go out and purchase a painting, 
right? In some instances, however, um, there are other things that can be associated with the NFT. So it's really a case by case basis. And those use cases can get a little crazy. So for example, I read recently that there's a restaurant in New York that you can only go to if you own one of that restaurant's NFTs. Or you could purchase an NFT that could later be used to, to redeem or forge is, is typically the term that's used, um, physical items. So physical t-shirts, sweaters, paintings. In other instances, you can- well, Forge like not copy, like I'm forging a speech, but forge like I'm making like out of iron. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's the terminology that's generally used. All right, so I, I have this NFT and I forge it. What, what do I do with it? So I'm, let's say I make a t-shirt or let's say, you know, I want to get rid of this NFT that I just bought. And, I'll, you know, I bought a Pokemon Gyarados one. And I'm like, ooh, that's really cool. Charizard one. And me and the rest of my nerd friends get on there. H how do I sell it or like trade it? Like, what do you do with it? Uh, you could sell it on the marketplace just as easily, just as, easily as you can purchase it. Um, and again, I mean, there's a number of different marketplaces and there's a number of different ways to transfer these assets. So um, I'm using OpenSea as an example because that's the most widely used one. Um, but any, any particular like, like instructions of how to go about doing that is something you can you know, find on their website. But in general, you can just go ahead and click a button that says sell and put in the parameters, the price and so forth. And it'll go ahead and you, you'll be able to sell your NFT. Do people make money doing this? People make a lot of money doing this, uh, like a crazy amount of money doing this. So uh, CryptoPunks, for example, uh, is one of the original like NFTs that, that really took off. And I think the buy-in for that right now is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Some of them have gone for millions of dollars. And it's a 2D pixelated picture, right? you know? So yeah, these who's things buying can go these for, things. Like who's buying like randos? Like who's buying this? People who like the art, I think is is what I'm gonna say. Um, because that's that's what everyone will say. I mean, certainly there are different reasons why people might purchase an NFT. Um, and this kind of goes back into some of the legal considerations behind this. You know, while an NFT itself, for example, it's pretty much, you know, I wouldn't say accepted, but it's generally. Uh, people generally don't view an NFT itself as a security, for example. There are people that buy and sell them in ways that, you know, might raise the eyebrows of somebody who, who does securities law. Um, you know, so people might purchase them for the sole purpose of, of gaining a profit. Other people might purchase it because they like the art. One of the most common instances is people purchasing NFTs to use as their profile pictures. Um, and that's because a lot of the big NFTs right now are kind of more in a collectible space where you have a certain number of NFTs, let's say 10,000 is probably the most normal amount. And then each of those 10,000 people are then part of that community. And so they could use their, um, so for example, I know I own a koala and I know you own a koala, um, NFT, and you can use the picture of that koala as your Twitter profile picture. And then you can connect with other people who are also part of that community. So we're basically talking, and I'm including myself in this, so this is not a, a, a denigrating comment, like the nerds that played Dungeon and Dragons or like for me, like collected baseball cards. This is like, here's my sweet koala and now it's my profile picture and 
people know me by my cool koala, which has two new unique attributes, right? Yeah, it might have started off that way, but I, I don't know if, if it is now. I mean, you have really big names going out there and, and purchasing NFTs. What? Um, who, who? What's a big name? Um, Visa, for example, purchased a CryptoPunk recently. Visa, uh, the company. A, Visa, the company. Yeah, we've got a we've had a Visa guest on here. I'm going to actually, you know what, when I talked to her, I think I had some NFTs up in the background. The, uh, the Bored Apes. Who owns the Bored Apes? Uh, a bunch of people own Bored Apes. I couldn't tell you specifically. Um, I heard that Steph Curry, NBA superstar, may be the proud owner of a Bored Ape. I believe that's right. Uh, Andy Milanakis, uh, the comedian, is a large purchaser of NFTs, too. There's a number of communities that I'm in, for example, that get unbelievably excited when uh when he purchases one of uh the nfts but you name it i mean it's, it's something that people are really getting into it's a it's a really i think fun way to do collectibles and to to have art so so like the, t- tell our listeners a little bit about the marketplace just because you know I, I joke a lot about nerd stuff and i nerd out on this podcast all the time but this really isn't just for nerds right isn't there like a huge market for nfts a huge market. In August alone, OpenSea, the marketplace I was telling you about, recorded $3.4 billion in transaction volume. So it's, <laughs> I don't think there are enough nerds, Yeah, I don't think there are enough just nerds out there uh, to, to generate that kind of transaction volume. So it's something that's certainly hitting the mainstream. And you have major institutions like Sotheby's, for example, that are now auctioning um, Board Ape, which you mentioned before, they're auctioning off uh, Board Ape Yacht Club NFTs, and they expect that they could collect something like thirteen point five million. So it's for one ape. No, I think for the uh, collection uh, generally. Yeah. But right, well, um, that this sounds nuts. So let me ask you this question: I've heard of something called the metaverse in connection with NFTs. What the hell is that? Yeah, so the metaverse is, is real. Um, you, um, there's a number of different um, sandboxes, playgrounds, like online uh, areas where people can kind of, almost like in a video game sense, uh, meet each other with their avatars and whatever. And, and one example that I think is pretty prominent is that of Decentraland. So Decentraland is a, a uh, sandbox type environment where you can walk around, there are different places to go to, different things to see, other people are in there at the same time. It's this online environment where you have an avatar that you kind of walk around with. And it's built actually on top of the Ethereum blockchain. So um, there are like a number of uh, blockchain and NFT adjacent things that you can do there. So. One example that kind of blew my mind was they have fully functioning casinos, for example, where you can go in and in, in, in the case of me, uh, lose a decent amount of tokens playing blackjack in the metaverse. Um, but there's, there's a lot more. I mean, there are events. Uh, the first time I actually was in Decentraland um, was during Art Week. And it was really cool. You would go to like almost, almost like an actual Art Week where, um, you have display set up and there are live concerts and there are, you know, opportunities to, to look at artist collections and buy their NFTs. So the metaverse, just to, to kind of put a bow on it, um, I know I kind of get a little bit excited there, is really just 
an online environment at this point where people can can meet and do things that they would normally do in the real world except on your computer yeah so uh this is like when you put up an out of office and you're like i'm going on vacation and i'm like i'm gonna go to hawaii and you're like i'm gonna go to decentraland and hang out for a while with my nfts where's michael he's in decentraland this sounds have you seen the movie ready player one or read the book yeah yeah byron's yeah. klein that's a great book not as good a movie even though it was steven spielberg this sounds a lot like the oasis is the metaverse kind of like the oasis the metaverse is is a lot of things but yeah it's kind of like the oasis and and again i don't want to put like one particular definition on it because i feel like if you were to read articles or watch interviews one of the big debates is is you know when people talk about the metaverse what exactly are they talking about and so i, I don't want to like give necessarily the impression that the metaverse is is just like this one particular online environment it's really i think any online environment right now uh, where people are spending more of their conscious time interacting with others. So um, I'm going to away from like this example of, you know, I have an avatar and I'm walking around and I'm going to the casino. Um, I would consider other games and applications part of the metaverse too. So, you know, while we're on the gambling front, we could talk about horse racing a little bit. There's this thing called Zed Run, for example, uh, which I'd also consider to be uh, a metaverse, depending on the definition of it. Um, but Zed Run is an online game or environment, I guess you could say, where people buy NFT racehorses, they can breed NFT racehorses, they can race NFT racehorses for, you know, actual money, um, cryptocurrency, but same thing. Um, and yeah, it's really, it's incredible the different types of applications that that are out there. So I need to like install more child locks on my iPhones and iPads and computers because my 13 year old is going to be buying an NFT racehorse with my money and, and racing them. Is that what's going to happen? Yeah. Uh, and I, I would, I would go ahead and do that quick because some of these racehorses have sold for, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars. And that would be a what? one charge that would definitely raise the eyebrows a bit, I think. So these NFT racehorses, like are they have speed? Like, what do you do? You watch them in the metaverse and they race against, like mine would race against somebody else's NFT racehorse. How do you know whose is faster? So each one actually has uh, its own attributes that could impact, you know, it's, it's how it races. And so there is an element of, did I get a horse that's better than your horse? But yes, you can race them just like you would go to watch a racetrack in real life. Uh, even as a passive observer, you can go on their website and watch races in real time. I feel like people are going to be doing this. I mentioned the Oasis earlier. Uh, this is what this is where the world is going. This is uh, both awesome but scary and and concerning a little bit. So I read something about using NFTs or NFTs being related to crypto domain names. What is that? Yeah. So crypto domain names is a really interesting and and kind of in my opinion a terrifying use case uh, in some instances, at least as a lawyer. Uh, for NFTs. So a crypto domain name primarily has two functions, and it's going to be really similar to the types of domain names that you're already thinking of when you think about domain names like www.something.com. But what a crypto domain name is, it's basically an address that you can use in place of your generated uh, cryptocurrency address. So when you create a cryptocurrency wallet, you're going to have an address 
that's very difficult to read and memorize. And um, it's going to be, you know, 26 or longer digits long. Uh, it might look something like 0x93CBEA and so on and so on and so on. And when you want to do a transaction with an NFT, uh, obviously you need to know where you're sending something. Where am I sending money? Where am I sending um, an NFT in particular? And so in that regard, crypto domains have like a really useful application. That's, you know, it's hard for me to make sure that I type in this address absolutely perfectly. And so why not allow somebody to associate a different name with their wallet? Um, for example, I could change my wallet to michaelgershoni.eth or michaelgershoni.crypto. And so they've created basically domain names that can be used for that purpose. Um, where it gets a little bit scary, at least from, I think, uh, to businesses or from a legal perspective, is just like you had cyber squatters on the internet, um, you now have the opportunity to have cyber squatters um, on both decentralized applications, websites, and um, you know, in the NFT world generally or in the crypto world generally. All right, so you're a lawyer, obviously, and an NFT aficionado. What are some of the legal implications or considerations around this NFT space? Sure. Uh, since we mentioned uh, crypto domain names, I'll start there. Obviously, there's like a, a potential concern for, for fraud um, if someone was to obtain a crypto domain name, for example, in you know, a company's name and use it to try and get people to send them cryptocurrencies or, or you know, other things. Um, so, for example, uh, I pulled up just recently online, um, Amex card services.crypto, for example, is currently selling for a million dollars. So you can imagine that somebody who owns that domain name, um, if they intended to defraud somebody, could send out a text message to people saying, this is Amex, please send me $1,000 to this address, amexcardservices.crypto. So that's obviously a huge, um, at least in my opinion, concern, um, both actually for, for not just private companies, but also for the federal government. If you look, IRS dash gov.crypto, for example, is also uh, something that has been claimed by somebody who is trying to now sell it for $10.7 million, if I'm reading that correctly. Oh, yeah. Um, but obviously the same fraud concerns kind of apply there. But in the, on the day-to-day -day type of NFT issues, um, the, the really important things I think to focus on initially, uh, particularly for companies that are getting into, into the space, is making sure that their base documents are good to go. So like, do you have a terms of services that is written in a way that addresses NFT specific issues? Um, some of those issues could be, for example, is NFT clearly defined in the terms of services? Um, and anyone who watches Saturday Night Live might recall uh, the clip where Elon Musk was on and they kept asking him, what is an NFT? And he'd answer. And then the next question would be, okay, so what is an NFT? So it's, it's, it seems like maybe a little trivial, but it's maybe some of our listeners are still wondering that, you know, 30 minutes into the podcast. Yeah. I mean, this conversation, like, like anything else, the conversation just takes off quick. Um, but, um, but yeah, so it sounds like a trivial thing. Like, okay, I'll throw in a definition of what an NFT is in my terms of services, but you know, it's important that you described it in a way that's, that's going to actually be meaningful. Um, 
so you have your terms of services issues there, you know, other things that people really need to consider, because I think there's a lot of confusion about this, at least with respect to, to purchasers of NFTs, is what rights are being transferred with your NFTs, if any. And if you do intend to distribute rights, or even if you don't intend to distribute particular rights, those are the types of things that really should be mapped out in a very clear and thoughtful way, uh, not just in your terms of services, but also in the in the, and I know we mentioned this earlier, but also in the smart contract, which is basically the mechanism used to record a transaction um, on the blockchain. All right. Well, at the end of every podcast, I usually ask the guests, like, what do they do for fun? Sometimes it's Netflix-based questions or vacations. So for this one, though, I'm going to go in a different direction. And I want to hear a little bit about the NFTs that you are following or that you have purchased and how you have made out so far. Yeah, so um, like everyone else, I think that has bought or sold an NFT. I wish I bought and sold them earlier. Um, I would love to have a CryptoPunk or a Bored Ape in my in my wallet, but I don't. I'll I'll freely admit that. Um, but some of the projects I've I've been picking up recently, I really like. Uh, obviously, I own a koala, and I love that koala. Um, I think it's awesome. I. Uh, I actually, it's funny, like one of the things that people talk about when they talk about NFTs is how like some people use it like pretty much for investment purposes. It seems like they want to invest and other people do it because they quote unquote like the art. In this, in this instance, I really do just like the art. Um, I turned down, I bought it, I think for like 150 bucks, I turned down like a $4,000 offer for it, which which goes to show you don't come to me for financial advice. That's uh, real money though. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I like it. And then, um, you know, I have a, a Killa's NFT, which I think is really cool. Um, they are actually coming out with a video game that um, is going to have like unique aspects to the NFT, depending on which NFT you own. Um, others, you know, I've, I've bought into just because I really like the community. Um, Peaceful Groupies is one I picked up yesterday. And the... Uh, community on discord is is pretty chill um a lot of people are like sharing music there's just it's, it seems like a pretty good chill place to 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 go hang out what is when you say community place to hang out what is discord we i feel like we need to have like a second uh a second podcast where i just go through definitions because i think that's like <laughs> one of the biggest barriers to entry in this space um um but yeah a discord is pretty it's an application that's kind of like like imagine um, AOL chat rooms on steroids. So like people like join particular servers or chat rooms or whatever. And you might have one of those rooms just for one particular NFT project or another room for a different NFT project. And then in there, everyone who owns the NFT or anyone who's interested in it can kind of go back and forth and, and talk and suggest things to the community and so forth. You're like living in the metaverse, in other words. <laughs> yeah, I've been spending more and more time in it, I think. Okay. I know where Michael is now when he puts up that ad office. At least we got that cleared up. And that's one thing that's cleared <laughs> up on this podcast. Perhaps not NFTs, although I think it's cleared up, but perhaps some of our listeners may still be wondering. All right. We're running up out of time. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. This has been truly fascinating and fun. Hopefully our listeners get in any final thoughts on what NFTs folks should be buying. Uh, 
no, I'm not definitely not giving uh, advice on what to buy, but I will say, um, and if anyone is looking into NFTs for the first time, just go ahead and Google WGMI and, uh, and that's my general view on it. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Michael. Thanks for uh, joining us here on TMT Time. We'll catch up with you later. Thanks, Evan.